Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the first episode of Lost in Science for the year 2022. My goodness, have you ever seen a year with so many twos in it? I don't know, it's got to mean something. Um, maybe buy that lotto ticket and choose a number two or something. I, <laughs> maybe It's got to be, I don't know. Wait, wait until the 22nd of the 2nd, 2022, because I think that's got the maximum number of twos we can have this year. It's, it's, a, good, it's, a, good, uh, it's a good palindromic date. The 22nd of the 2nd, 2022. Very good. Uh, we do like a palindromic date. Yeah, yes. it's, that's also got to be worth something. Um, yes, anyway, my name is Chris. And with me, as always, I have Stu and Claire. And they have some science for us this week, as as they always do, which is incredible. That every week, you know, they just... Let's pull it out. Um, <laughs> we're back. I mean, we're back and there's been a lot of science already. There has been a lot of science, yeah. In 2022. Yeah. yeah, too much science. Let's hope it slows down a little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, we won't keep up. Well, we often don't. But, I mean, look, we, we turn our backs for, you know, a few weeks and, you know, SpaceX have got a errant rocket crashing into the moon. All sorts of random stuff's gone all over the place without us paying yeah. attention. Uh, Hopefully we're not talking about anything too random and crazy tonight. Claire, what have you got for us? (laughs) Well, um, for some people, January felt like a whole year. Um, I don't know if that was the case for yourself, Chris, or yourself, Stu. Um, But for one person um, who got a heart transplant, I reckon January would would have felt like a really long time because this was no ordinary heart transplant that happened in early January. This man got a heart transplant from a pig. <gasps> yeah, pig man. Pig man heart transplant. The pig man is real. The pig and man is real and he's still alive today. And, and what did the pig get out of this exchange? Oh, um... Uh, one less heart he got, yeah, or she. How many, how many hearts do pigs need? Uh, one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about <laughs> a little bit about the um, xenotransplant, the xenotransplantation uh, breakthrough that happened early January, and bring you up to speed on why it's so groundbreaking um, and what actually happened. Because you know, it's not just your regular piggery pigs that they got these are pretty special pigs right mm-hmm. um desperately trying to think of a pun but nothing is coming to mind so um i'll maybe i'll ham it up later <laughs> when you've done your story uh Stu, what have you got for us well i'm gonna trot along with the uh with the theme <laughs> of medical advances involving animals but actually the story i'm going to be talking about may uh, remove the need for transplantation of organs in the future. We are talking a, a long way into the future, but some recent research has been looking into 
why anim- why animals in general can't regenerate organs and 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 lost limbs, but yet some of them actually can, and some research which has shown that possibly we can trigger that uh, regeneration in animals that can't usually do that kind of regenerative uh, healing act that you know lizards can do when they drop their tail and things like that. Um, but yeah, interesting uh, advances in the field of medical science, which might mean, you know, the, the days of pig transplantation have only just arrived, but they may well be uh, on their way out. Who knows? Yeah, I kind of feel that if you do lose your heart, you're going to need something to tide you over while the new one is growing. Um, you know, it may, even if you can regenerate. Possibly, possibly, but part of the reason that we off, they often need to do heart transplants is because of the lack of regeneration oh, in these organs. So yeah. yeah, so it's a it's a it's a it's a far-reaching technology that we're talking about here. It's not just uh, on on regrowing new things, but on repairing old things as well. Fantastic. Well, we have a very science fiction episode, I guess. Somehow, to uh, this week we have regeneration, a la um doctor who and we have peak transplants our last seinfeld well uh can't wait to hear about it on with the show So surgeons have been transplanting hearts for quite a while now um can you guess how long it's been wasn't the 1970s or something that they started? Yeah, they started December 3, 1967. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's been happening for over 50 years. Um, the first heart transplant receiver lived for only an extra 18 days, uh, but other patients who've received heart transplants have gone on to live very long and full lives, up to an extra 35 years. Um but although we know a lot about how to transplant organs effectively, safely, and with the best outcomes possible, one thing we haven't managed to do is address the fact that there aren't enough hearts to go round. Uh, and there is a long waiting list of very sick people waiting for a heart from a donor that may or may not arrive. Um, and that was the case for David Bennett, who's a 57-year-old man who was in urgent need of a heart transplant. Um, so David had been on cardiac support for almost two months, and he was in a position where he couldn't receive a mechanical heart pump because he had an irregular heartbeat, and he could not receive a human heart transplant because he had a history of not complying with doctor's treatment. Um, so... He was fa- facing pretty much certain death with his with his dodgy ticker, um, but that was until doctors from the University of Maryland got special approval to do something that has never been done before, and they transplanted a pig heart into uh, David. Yeah. So I thought they had done some sort of. Oh, there was a baboon heart, I think, wasn't back in the nineteen eighties. Uh, transplant that what? worked briefly. Was there? There was some. There was some previous Xeno transplant. I'm certain there was. There so, was certainly so... a joke about it on The Simpsons, but whether they <laughs> actually carried through with it or not, I'm not sure. 
So I'll, I'll tell you what I know. Um, and that is that David is the first person to receive a pig heart. Um, and I think the first person to receive a successful transplantation of a whole organ from another animal, but I'll, we'll, we'll have to check up on that. Um, so other piggy body parts have been transplanted before. So heart valves, pig heart valves have been transplanted. Um, and also a pig kidney has been transplanted into a person who has no brain function. So that's someone who's um, technically dead or legally dead. Um, but this is the first time an organ's been transplanted into a person who has a chance of surviving and recovering. So this is a culmination of decades of work in the field of Xeno transplantation. Um, Xeno meaning different. Warrior in... princess. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Her brother. Yeah. Okay. Um, Xeno meaning different in origin um, and transplantation meaning transplantation. So mm. transplanting materials that are different in origin. Um, now, just to be upfront, the heart that's now in David Bennett, uh, it did not come from some ordinary everyday swine this isn't just some pig from the market these are genetically modified pigs that are bred specifically with certain genes uh, to make sure that the organs are less likely to be attacked by the human immune system and pretty much now with the discovery of CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing tech over the last few years it's made it a whole lot easier to knock out genes and add genes to create the perfect uh, piggy heart for xenotransplantation. So do they do they make a specific heart for a specific patient or do they make a heart that can be sort of universally transplanted? Well, from what I read, the future is uh, bespoke hearts for bespoke patients. But at the moment, the the lines, the sort of genetic lineage of these pigs, they're just trying to get to sort of like a basic understanding of what genes they need to knock out and what ones they um, need to add in to make sure that the heart's got the best chance of survival. So it sense that like you told us this was kind of the story of the pig man, but in many ways it's also the story of the man pig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a very astute observation, Chris. Mm. Mm, mm. Um, so the pig that owned David's pig heart was developed by uh, a biotech company named Revivacor, which sort of sounds like a bit of a supervillain biotech company, if you ask me, Revivacor. And um, these particular pigs have 10 different genetic modifications to maximize the chance of survival and uh, lower the chance of rejection. So the company knocked out three pig genes that trigger attacks from human from the human immune system. They then added six human genes uh, that were that will hopefully help David's body accept the organ. And then a final, but I would say very important modification. Um, prevents the heart from responding to growth hormones, which means that uh that, that the heart, which is from a 400 kilogram animal, uh, remains the size uh, that a human needs and doesn't get incredibly large yeah, as, I was, as it just well could. I was going to say, I mean, pigs pigs do grow a lot bigger than humans 
generally do and mm. and that that that's probably one of the reasons that they use them because they grow very quickly from mm. from newborn pigs to full size pigs so yeah i was sort of wondering if if that would be an mm. issue with match size yeah. matching with the with the, totally. with the yeah. recipient yeah they would have to harvest them at just the right time right so you don't get a pig heart that's too big um and, you know, like, although this combo of gene sort of putting in and taking out seems to have resulted in a really successful transplant, you know, um, uh, David's still alive um, and this happened in early January. So, um, you know, by all accounts and by all measures, very successful. Interestingly, the researchers say there's still a lot of science to be done in, on exactly how many gene modifications are needed, what sort of combination is the best combination, um, and especially as each modification uh, may have sort of adverse effects on the human recipient. So there are there all these other different biotech companies out there with sort of doing different things. So there's this one called eGenesis um, that's creating these genetically modified pigs that can't pass on retroviruses, and then in Auckland, in New Zealand, just next door, they're breeding um, breeding miniature pigs whose um, kidneys remain human-sized without having to rely on this growth hormone modification. So, um, yeah, I thought that was quite quite interesting, the way that different people are going about it. But undoubtedly, we should be continuing to talk about the ethics of xenotransplantation, um, continuing to have this this dialogue about genetic modification. Um, but for now, I guess we can say that these porcine heart transplantations are no longer a pigment of our imagination. <laughs> pigment. Pigment. Science, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Lost in Science, our ongoing mission to explain strange new words, to seek out new science and new explanations, to boldly go where no radio has gone before. if you remember but way back before christmas we were talking all science fiction and i managed to catch up on a few movies over the break i caught up with the eternals which is a marvel movie gotta say not particularly science fictiony more like rewriting the the history of earth's legends but you know um a lot of fun i thought uh, i saw june at the imax which was amazing if you haven't seen june i recommend you go and see that at the cinema Unless you've got a TV the size of a, you know, semi-trailer <laughs> truck. Can you just sit really close to the TV? Is that like a suitable <laughs> then, then you can see the pixels. Mm. Um, and I also managed to catch the most recent Spider-Man movie. And then, of course, over the summer, had some free time on my hands. I went back and watched all the older uh, Spider-Man movies, um, including a couple I dismissed when they sort of came out. 
with Andrew Garfield as Spidey. I don't know if you saw those ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. How I, do they hold up? Yeah. I was. I think I was busy in that time. Like <laughs> I, I did not remember him ever being Spider Man. It, it was one of those things where the the Tobey Maguire ones had kind of just finished, and then they started them again with Andrew Garfield, and I just sort of went, "What's going on? I'm. I don't yet. Yeah, I haven't got time." Something was that the original genesis of the Spider Verse? Like just no, it was just. Sony with, you know... Too much money in one idea. Rights and rights to one thing and not rights to other things, I think. Um, Now, the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man wastes a fair bit of time rehashing how Spider-Man got his swing. Um, But the main villain in The Amazing Spider-Man, which is the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, is a giant lizard. Uh, Reese Ifans (laughs) plays a scientist who has lost part of his arm and he's obsessed with finding a treatment of some kind that will grow back his missing limb, um, which, of course, being a comic book movie, has dire consequences for everyone involved. Um, now, obviously, this does sound like science fiction because one of the things about animals is that much of their body template is laid out during embryogenesis, which is very, very early in development. And this happens in the egg stage in animals like fish and amphibians and lizards and birds, or during the pregnancy of animals like mammals, including us humans. So basically, once a body part is formed in that developmental stage, it's pretty well fixed. Uh, and we can sort of, you know, we, we can replace some tissues. Our skin is, for example, constantly being renewed. Um, but most of our organs and our limbs and our digits are not replaceable. Uh, once, if, if, you, if you damage it, it's often literally beyond repair. Um, Very young children apparently can grow back lost fingertips if they cut a small enough amount of their fingertip. Uh, They can grow back if they're young enough. But if a body part is cut off, it doesn't grow back, which is, you know, um, has been suggested by some atheists that this is good evidence that miracles don't exist because there's no verified stories of amputated limbs growing back anywhere in the world. Uh, it just you know seems like that would be something people would pray for. Never happened that one's grown back. So, of course, most of us would have come across drop-tail skinks as children. Uh, they're the lizards that lose their tail and the silly old bird grabs the tail thinking that's <laughs> scored a meal. And then the lizard goes off and uh, grows a new tail, which is basically the inspiration for the lizard in The Amazing Spider-Man. Could be the um the bird is doing sustainable harvesting and is deliberately going, you know <laughs> off you go lizard, grow another tail, I'll see you in six months. Lizard lizard tails are a renewable resource. Birds should yeah. be birds should be on board with that. Um some some other animals can do this as well, including several species of amphibians like frogs and salamanders and some reptiles, but not all species are capable of this uh this type of regeneration. Now, in medicine, the lack of treatments for lost limbs and digits is a huge limitation for doctors and patients. There's not really much you can do for people like that, you know, other than prosthetics and, um, you know, sort of palliative care to make sure that other things don't go wrong as a result of losing limbs or digits. Um, And uh, this applies to a lot of organs in the body that can't regenerate. Basically, everything, every organ in the human body, except the liver, does not regenerate. 
Um, the liver can regenerate from, I think you can lose up to half of your liver and it can regrow, which is one of the reasons liver transplants are quite uh, common because you can take a piece of liver and not a whole liver so people can sort of divide up their liver and donate bits of it to people as well and still survive. Um, but one of the reasons for this is possibly that one of the basic reactions to injury in many animals is they produce scar tissue. And the scar tissue is a rapidly growing tissue type that prevents further damage to the body. So it kind of heals up everything really quickly, seals up blood vessels, protects exposed nerve endings, basically does a quick job of fixing damaged tissue. But that rush job may be what's preventing further healing and regeneration. So doctors have been searching for many years uh, for ways to allow for tissue regeneration following injury. And like Kurt Connors, the character from The Amazing Spider-Man, they've looked to species which are able to do this on their own. Um, and a research paper published in Science Advances in January this year shows some promise down this research pathway. The paper is entitled Acute Multidrug Delivery via a wearable bioreactor facilitates long-term limb regeneration and functional recovery in adult Xenopus lavis. Now, Xenopus lavis is a frog. Mm. I was going to say, haven't we heard of this frog before recently? We have, but it's completely separate course of research. So this frog did right, come okay. up. Yeah. Um, I think it may be one of those lab, you know, one of those model specimen, you know, model species that they use and they do lots of experiments yeah. on because they, they understand it really well. So it was your Xenobot story where they had That's cells right. in a Xenopus yeah. frog yep. that they were making into little kind of biological robots. Yeah. And now so this... we're getting the Xenopus frog and we're doing what to it again? Well, okay. So the team based at Tufts University in Massachusetts put a concoction of various drugs in a wearable sheath over a severed limb of a frog for 24 hours. After they removed the sheath, they observed limb regrowth of the severed leg over a period of 18 months, as well as functional recovery in that the limb could be used for movement both in and out of the water. Uh, wow. They repeated this on a number of frogs of the same species. And look, it must have taken ages to wait for these injured frogs to be brought in with their missing limbs in frog ambulances to the to the Tufts University Hospital. But look, all these amputee frogs came in. They did the same uh, experiment and got the same result each time. So basically what they're doing is exposing the injury to a, a cocktail of drugs for a very short time, which then has an effect over a really long time of uh, regenerating the, the missing limb. And that includes bone and muscle and skin and all of the other uh, tissue types involved there. So the researchers analysed the gene expression in tissues affected by the drug treatment and found that early embryo development genes have been triggered by the drugs and that was what was working to restore the limbs and regrow the limbs. Um, Are these early embryo genes something that's specific to frogs or is this something that sort of goes across the animal kingdom well this is what they need to find out the thing about uh embryogenesis is if you look at 
you know, the early stages of embryo development in across different species, they look very similar up to a certain point. So the embryo of a, of a frog looks quite a lot like, you know, the embryo of a lizard and the embryo of a bird and the embryo of a mammal. They all look the same early on. And then it's only as they age that they sort of diverge into their uh, different species. So the, the limb sort of uh, development stuff happens really quite early. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, animals around with four limbs. You know, birds have got two wings and two legs. Mammals have usually got uh, four limbs, arms and legs or whatever, however you want to divide them up. I have another question. Yeah. It's about is, was the frog leg adult sized? Like, was it appropriate to the age of the frog? Um, they, they were not completely normal legs, but they were not just sort of extensions of what was left after the limb was severed. So they did actually regrow something of a leg. Um, it's not exactly the same as what was there, but it's very, very similar, and it did develop along similar pathways. Now, obviously, this is experiments with frogs. The species they were looking at does not naturally have this ability. So there are frogs that can regrow lost limbs. This species doesn't usually have the capability of doing that. So it's definitely... Uh, the treatment that they've been giving it and the concoction of drugs that they've applied, they're not just exploiting the existing abilities of this species because this species cannot actually do this by itself. Um, and, you know, as I said, this is in frogs. We're a long way off doing any kind of application on human beings, but the hope is that by unlocking the key to the... Uh, early embryo development genes is that they may be able to restore tissue function in things like, for example, damaged heart tissue, which is one of the reasons that people get uh, valve transplants and heart transplants is because we can't regenerate the heart. If we could regenerate the heart by, by giving people the right drugs, you would do away with the need for heart transplants and a lot more patients would have you know, the ability to survive the uh, the damage to their heart, which is causing them health problems. Um, and, you know, that the, the, the scope of this is endless, really. There's so many different things that could be helped, uh, you know, from, from sort of burns victims to, you know, lung damage and kidney damage and all of those things where we don't really have that many treatments available. Um, and it may be a long way off helping humans with similar problems, but this work on frogs is still a big leap in the right direction nice nice so you know how like the lizards drop their tail when there's a bird coming mm. maybe these frogs will just put their legs off when they see a french chef coming towards them. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, amazing and that's it for another episode of Lost in Science. Lost in Science is recorded for 3CR in Melbourne on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And it airs across Australia on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We would love you to get in touch with us. You can email us at lostinsci at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook where Lost in Science on 3CR or on Twitter where we're at Lost in Science 1. You can find us on your favourite podcast app where if you get the chance, please give us a good rating and review as that will raise us up in the search rankings so other people can find the science. 
or you can listen to us however you listen to us now, where at the same time every week, Claire, Stu and Chris get Lost in Science! Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.